Thank you for joining us at Luminous Church. And this morning, we hope that you see Jesus clearly. Good to see you. Go ahead and shake your neighbor. Shake your neighbor if you're not awake yet. I hope you are awake. Pardon me as I adjust this stand. I have a lot of scripture today, so I'm definitely going to need this thing. I have the impossible task this morning of describing to you what heaven is like. Is that awesome or what? That's, that's pretty much impossible. And so I'm going to do my best to do as, as good of job as possible in that. If you have your Bibles this morning, you can turn to Matthew chapter 6. That's primarily where we'll be today, but there will be a lot of scripture and we'll be turning all over the place. And in 2016, we, we were as a church and as a staff and I was praying. And as we were doing this, we, we got this this word or this image, and it was heaven open. And this wasn't Ben's idea necessarily for 2016 and the vision of Luminous Church. It was, it was God's idea, and it came through reading scripture. And if you missed last week, we were in two scriptures, Matthew 3 and Matthew and Acts 7, Matthew 3 and Acts 7. And, and in Matthew 3, we, we learned about what God says about Jesus, how, how Jesus is affirmed and he's also validated um, as a son and he's well pleased, that God was well pleased with him. And in Acts chapter 7 in this book in the Bible, the Bible is, is, is a larger book, it's 67 many books in this Bible and, and this book we believe that it has a story about God's love for us, for for humanity and it's God's love for for um it's God's love for humanity and it's God's love uh, for his son Jesus and painting that picture of who Jesus is to us. And so in Acts chapter 7, in another book, we read about the story of Stephen. And Stephen is amazing. Stephen, Stephen is proclaiming the gospel. He's, he's sharing the gospel. And as we learned last week, Stephen ended up getting stoned for his faith. And we found, we found a couple of things when heaven opens. We found that when heaven opens, not only are you, not only are you affirmed, not only are you validated, but you're also liberated. Everybody say liberated. Liberated. You're also liberated. We're, there's a lot of millennials in this room this morning, aren't there? If you're a millennial, raise your hand so we can shout out to you. Maybe you don't know you're a millennial. If you're in your 20s, then raise your hand because you are a part of the millennial generation. And you're like, I don't even know what I am. You can't define me. That's millennials. And so there you go. Millennials, man, millennials get around and rally around this idea of liberation, don't they? They love to liberate things. They, they love to liberate, like, people, people groups, countries, but they also love to, like, liberate zoos and animals that are held captive, and they, they love to liberate trees that are being hurt. Anything that can be liberated, they start having a voice for, and they want liberation for it. And how many know liberation is really a good thing? Overall, it's a good thing. It's actually God's idea. And I want to explain that here in just a moment, is that liberation is God's idea. It's, it's his heart. It's what he wants. And we know that liberation is good. In fact, Nelson Mandela said this. He said, education is the most powerful weapon which you can use 
to change the world. We have seen this across the globe that as we, as we have seen people with illiteracy, we've been educating them. And as they're getting educated and they're being able to, to read, then all of a sudden they're empowered because education brings an empowerment. And the more you read, the more you know, and the more you're empowered to do. And, and as a result, with the, liter the literacy rate going up, now women have rights that they haven't had before because they know enough to be empowered. There's so much that happens with this kind of education and being able to read. We know that people are coming out of poverty all over the globe because the more they learn, the more they know, the more they're empowered. We know that liberation is a good thing. And we find liberation through lots of means and lots of ways. You know, a lot of you um, have been sick and you go to a doctor and you find being liberated through your sickness through a doctor. You find surgeons being able to perform surgery on you, and there's liberation of pain. There's so many things. There's a, there's a thing in the world that God has set up. It's called common grace, where God actually looked at the world and said, hey, even though you're wicked and jacked up, I'm going to save you, and I love you, and I'm going to sustain you through common grace. All of us, those in Jesus and out of Jesus, are victims of common grace. We're, we're being liberated by it. The fact that we got to wake up today and breathe another breath, that's liberating, isn't it? So common grace is amazing, but then we also see, as we saw in Acts chapter 7, when the heavens were open, there was a liberation for Stephen, but not like we would have seen or noticed. Isn't that true, church? Because, because if God's truly a liberator, then he won't allow me to suffer. He won't allow anything bad to happen. If God is truly liberating me, then he's going to sustain me, and no pain will come my way. Well, if you look at Stephen, who was full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom, that wasn't true for him, necessarily. You see, Stephen was there, and the stones were coming, and God didn't stop the stones, did he? God could have stopped the stones. God could have saved Stephen. He could have done that, but in Stephen's suffering, he began to look, and the heavens were open, and Jesus showed up. Jesus showed up, and there was his liberation. There was his liberation that brought him into eternal glory. He said he actually fell asleep. So God is going to work and liberate in your life in many different ways. You've probably already experienced that in some ways, but God will continue to do that as long as we're here, as long as we are here. Jesus, the great liberator, just comes out of the desert. He came out of the desert, about to begin his ministry. And before he started his ministry, he went to his hometown to proclaim something. You know, in 2000, I was excited because I was 18 and I got to vote. I have a voice and my vote matters. And I remember the man that I wanted to, to be elected for president actually won the nomination, President Bush. And I was so excited. And I'm from Midland, Texas, his hometown. And you know where President Bush went? He didn't go to Dallas. He didn't go to Austin. He came home, baby. He came to Midland, Texas. And there he was. And we were all standing there just excited for what he was going to announce and declare. And Jesus was the same way. He went to his hometown. He went to Nazareth. He went to Nazareth where he was going to proclaim something. He went into the synagogue, a place of worship that looked much like this, but a lot different. And, and he came in here, and in Luke chapter 4, it says this. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. 
The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to him back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him and began to say to them today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing boom drop mic walk off stage i mean it's crazy right seven centuries of reading scriptures seven centuries we get tired of hearing our works policy for one week we're like do we have to hear that again seven centuries of hearing this scripture hearing this promise hearing about jesus hearing what he was going to do and here he comes i came to bring liberty to the captives now those who are religious were actually got a little enraged but everybody else fixed their eyes on him and they began to follow him. They followed him across the countryside and on the greatest sermon, arguably one of the greatest sermons that Jesus preached, Matthew chapter six, he sets up the scene for open heaven, heaven open, and he sets it up and in Matthew six, he teaches all these people how they should pray. He says, first God and then you. I love that he puts order to it, God first and then you, and really you is about God, so it's really all God. But just to let you know, God first. In Matthew chapter 6, if you have your Bibles, turn there to verse 9. It says this, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So many things I want to observe from this, talking about heaven and the picture of heaven for us this morning. Today we're going to talk about as in heaven. Next week we'll be talking about on earth. And so come back next week on the application. But we know this, first off, God is in heaven. God is in heaven. Isn't that great? No one else is in heaven. It's God. God is in heaven. That's where he resides. It's his abode. We also know this, that heaven is holy. Everybody say hallowed or hallowed yeah maybe that's better pronunciation hallowed hallowed however you want to say that hallowed be your name hallowed is a word that means sanctified or holy where he resides is holy where god is is holy we get a glimpse into this in exodus chapter 3 verse 5 when moses is walking the earth and god shows up to moses what does he say to moses he says do not Come near, take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. Holy ground. Have you ever heard that before? Maybe you walked into your mom's house and she says, don't come in here until you take off your shoes because my floors are clean. You know what? You'll never stop hearing that even when you're married. Your wife will keep saying that. My house is clean. Don't get it filthy. Don't get it dirty because where I am is holy. Where I am is pure. Where I am is clean. Where he is is holy. It, it is a consecrated area. It's a consecrated area. And, and as God was in heaven, he's also omnipresent and can be everywhere. And so you see God take different shapes and different forms and different applications to different places in life. And so as God is in heaven, he also came to earth in the Old Testament. 
He came to the earth in Old Testament in the tabernacle and to the place of the Holy of Holies. And this is how it describes it in Exodus 26, 31. And you shall make a veil of blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. It shall be made with cherubim skillfully worked into it. And you shall hang it on four pillars of acacia overlaid with gold with hooks of gold on four bases of silver. And you shall hang the veil from the clasps and bring the ark of the testimony in there with the veil. And the veil shall separate for you the holy place for the most holy place. So as God's making his presence here on earth, there was a veil that was made, a big old curtain. And some people would say this is a gate, but only one person could go through there once a year. Most of, to most everyone, it was a wall. It was a separation that you couldn't come past this wall because I'm too holy and you're too wicked. You're too wicked, too lost, too dirty. Your shoes are dirty. Your feet are dirty. Your breath stank. You can't come in. You can't come in. I'm holy. Where God is, is holy. Heaven is a kingdom and there is a will in heaven. Heaven is a kingdom and there is a will in heaven. In Psalm 103:19, the Lord has established his throne in the heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Heaven is a kingdom. A kingdom is meant to rule over people and it has authority. To recognize heaven is to recognize God's rule. If we're to recognize heaven as we look at heaven, you're also recognizing that God is ruler, that he's king. And the vision of Luminous Church, as we sit here as a church, and not just heaven open, but our church of why we exist, is that people would see Jesus clearly. And that we would clearly make him known. And so that's our, our vision, that, that people would see Jesus clearly. And, and so why heaven open this year? Because if we're going to see Jesus clearly, the only way to see Jesus clearly is to look into heaven. Because that's where he is. That's where he is in Mark 16, 19. As, as Jesus was sitting here with his disciples and he was about to ascend into heaven, what does he say? So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. At the right hand of God. If we are to see Jesus, we have to look to heaven. Now, oftentimes, heaven is ambiguous, isn't it? It's so vague. So what do I mean about heaven? Well, there's Three heavens that scriptures talk about. Three heavens. And, and the three heavens are the first heaven is the air and the sky and the birds and the clouds. That's the first heaven. The second heaven is more celestial. It's, it's further out. It's the stars and the sun and the galaxies and galaxies and galaxies and more galaxies. I mean, how many are there? I mean, there's just endless amounts of galaxies would be the second heaven. And the third heaven applies to the abode of God. It's where he is. It's where his presence is. It's where he is. It's where Jesus is seated. And all over life, we've been looking into the wrong heavens for our liberation. You know, astronauts, if we could just go to Mars and then go further and then go further, and then something out there will explain our existence and why we exist. Or in Genesis chapter 11, we look at a bunch of people with the same language, common values, who said, if we build a tower as high as possible, we could reach the heavens and we could be equal with God. We could be up there. The Tower of Babel. 
as we refer to it. And so as, as man has been trying to seek heaven, they haven't been finding God because God is not necessarily in that place to be found. And although it's attributes of him, although you can reflect on it and you can perhaps see glimpses of God's character and nature, it's not where Jesus is. Jesus is on his throne. And so what happened? God said, man, these, these people can do anything, anything. They're so united. So he confused their language and they scattered all over the earth because there was no more unity. Heaven has a language. How many of you know that? Heaven has a language. Heaven has a language. In Revelation 7.10, it says, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and the Lamb. In verse 11, they worshiped God. When we speak God language, when we speak kindness, love, gentleness, when we speak the language of Jesus to one another, we're speaking heavenly language. We're speaking the language of heaven when it's pure and it's holy and it's righteous. As we, as we are worshiping God and we're loving one another, it's heavenly language being spoken. It's something that we so desperately need. When we're in heaven, we are complete. When we're apart from God, we're incomplete with incomplete language. Apart from God, you'll not speak the true language that you were meant to speak. And we are encouraged to think about heaven. You know, oftentimes I shy away from heaven, right? It's so ambiguous. Like, really? I don't, I don't even want to think about it. Like, can I just think about what's for dinner and going to work and putting my kid to bed and do all that stuff? I was going to say night-night. But put my kid in a night-night. <laughs> can I just think about that thing? But we're encouraged to think about heaven. In Colossians 3, 1 and 2, it says this. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above and not on, not on things that are on earth. Fixated. Isn't it amazing when Jesus walked the earth, they were fixated with him? As he spoke, they were amazed. They were astonished because he was the embodiment of heaven. Because where he is, heaven is. Because as we look to Jesus at the right hand of God, there heaven is. There he is. Fixation. We love to fixate on awful things, don't we? Like the next car bomb, the next tower going down, the next thing that happens in the earth, all these tragic things, it's, it, it's captivating. I, I remember 9-11, and I was a sophomore in Midland College, and, and when the towers were hit and the World Trade Center towers, it was, it was awful. It was horrible. It, it was heartbreaking, and we fixated on it. And day after day, they just played it and played it and played it. We fixate things on things so bad sometimes. So bad. But to fixate on good things, I couldn't really think of many things that we fixate, fixate on good until I think about a wedding. And when you think about a wedding, you sit there, and as you're doing a ceremony, it's so awesome. I love performing ceremonies because it's an amazing picture of God. And as we're doing a wedding, and the bride's doors open up, you say, all rise. And they all rise. And where are they facing? The groom, the groom, they're all looking forward at the groom. They're all looking forward at the groom. Isn't that such a picture of Jesus? We all look at the groom because we look at his face and his reaction 
when his bride comes walking in. Because as his bride comes walking in, he lights up with joy. He lights up with excitement. And his eyes are fixated on her. Her eyes are fixated on him. And we're all looking at him like, this is wonderful. Because it is. To fixate on Jesus. That's really what it's like. And as we fixate on Jesus, our mind is more off of ourself and more on him. And it's why God gave you an imagination. Francis Schaeffer says this, the Christian is the really free man. He's free to have imagination. This too is our heritage. The Christian is the one whose imagination should fly beyond the stars. Isn't that true? That's what God said. And I think about our limited perspective. And I was reading Benson a book last night, Fish is Fish. Maybe you've read Fish is Fish. It's, it starts out with a, a tadpole and a fish are swimming together. And the fish thinks the tadpole's a fish, but the tadpole knows he's a frog. The tadpole grows a tail, and then he begins to grow some legs. Fish says, hey, you're not a frog. Where are you going? The frog jumps out of the pond and begins to explore the earth. The frog one day comes to the pond. He shows up to the pond and he says, hey, fish, there are so many wonderful things out here. You would love it out here. Begins to describe cows and people and birds. Birds are amazing. They have feathers and they're colorful and they can fly. Cows are awesome. They sit there and they, they produce milk and, and they moo and it's so cool. And then he begins to describe people. Now people walk around and they talk to each other and they have conversations. Frog was so mesmerized by what he saw. He was speaking all the way up into the night. And then fish begins to imagine what it's like out there. And in his imagination, he sees a fish with wings. He sees a cow, right, as a fish. And he sees people that look like fish too. You know what's awesome is our limited perspective, we can't fully grasp heaven. We can't fully grasp what it's like or what it will be like. And so, so does the fish get it really out of context? No. The people are walking and hanging out, and the cow looks like a cow, and it's mooing, and, and the, the fish bird is flying, and, and the context is right, but maybe the picture is a little bit dim. And I believe, I believe that, that us, as we describe heaven, our picture may be a little dim, but we know Jesus. And we know he's there, and we know the context that it's love, that it's pure, it's holy, it's perfect, and it's his presence. Heaven. In heaven, everyone is on the team. Heaven is united. It's completely united. Everyone is a team player. And I love a winning team. I love a winning team. When I was in Midland College freshman year, I was playing intramural sports. Well, there was a basketball league, and I decided to join. All my friends were talking about it, and then my other set of friends were talking about it. And I decided to go with my other set of friends. And for one reason, because they were all over six foot, they all played basketball, they could dunk like crazy, they were amazing. And I said, I want to be on the winning team. I want to be on the team that wins. You know how much I played that season 30 seconds but I didn't care because I was on the winning team I was on the winning team I was on the bench you know what I said hey as long as we win you know whatever happens happens let's win the game that's what it's about and for many of us for many of us you're not even willing to be on God's bench 
Because you want your own team and what you want your own life. And it's the team that doesn't win. It's the team that loses. And God needs to be on the throne because his team is the one that wins. And so it's not my will, but your will be done. I want God's team. I want God's will. I want to be there. And if I'm on the bench, that's where I am. And it's okay because I win. And what I love is everybody on this team, they all look different. They all act different. There's different heights, different personalities, different ethnicities, different cultures. It all looks different, but it's the picture of heaven. It's the picture of heaven that I desperately want, and I've desperately wanted in our church. You see, when people walk into Luminous Church, maybe you're a guest here this morning, we don't want you necessarily see an individual or a pastor we want you to see a multi-generational, multicultural group of people. And we want it to look like heaven. With one voice, we will sing. With one cry, we will shout. And we will all play this game. We'll all be on the team. And Revelation 7-9 says this, After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the land, clothed in the white robes with palm branches in their hands. Every tongue, every language, every nation before the throne of God. That's what heaven looks like. Heaven looks like you and me. It looks like the person on your left and the person on your right. That's what it looks like. And that's the church that we will build. The church that we will build will look like that. The church that we will build will, will show no partiality. No partiality. But start empowering everyone. As the worship team comes up, we've been in this anthem of song. Let the heavens open. And it's been so amazing. So amazing. I've, I've loved it. I've really enjoyed it. Our creative team put together an amazing video for the end of this song. and I want us to reflect on it and what heaven would be like if it's open. But I want us to know heaven is not our end place, but heaven is our starting place. You see, those who are in Jesus, heaven is actually where you begin because that's where Jesus is. And for us in this room, for those who place faith in Jesus, you know that you've experienced it. You've tasted and seen that God is good and heaven is real. But for those who may not have placed their faith in Jesus, maybe when I was talking about liberation, you were like, man, I need a liberator. You know, I've, I've been carrying so much. I feel so captive. I feel like as though there are chains and shackles on me and I'm not making any momentum or progress. Maybe you came in feeling like that this morning. Maybe you don't really know the liberator Jesus. If that's you this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to meet him. And if you would, close your eyes and bow your head with me, church. I'm just going to ask a question. If you want to meet that liberator and you want to make him king of your life, you want Jesus to sit on the throne of your heart and you've never done that before, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in just a moment. The reason we raise our hand is not because that's what saves you, but it identifies you. Yes, I identify with that. I want that in my life. I want Jesus. Will you pray for me? 
If you want me to pray for you this morning, raise your hand. I would love to pray for you. Raise your hand if that's you this morning. Thank you so much. Thank you for raising your hand. Jesus, you see every hand raised. You see every thought. You see, Jesus, where they are. And Lord, I just pray, Father, that they would make you the Lord of their life. Romans 10.9 says, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. So church, if you would pray this with me. Dear Jesus, be Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. Be my liberator. Recreate me. Make me new. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe for those who are in here this morning, you're like, man, you talked ambiguously about heaven, and all I saw was fish in the sky seems so vague, then what I want to challenge you with this week is that you would turn to Philippians 4, 7 and 8. Philippians 4 and 7 and 8 says, meditate on these things. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is good report, whatever is kind, whatever is lovely, think on these things. And as you think on those things, watch your imagination just unleash. You know, what's amazing about lastly saying this is, as Jesus is on his throne, right before Jesus got there, in Matthew chapter 27, it says this. It says, and Jesus cried out again with a loud voice as he was on the cross. And he yielded up, up his spirit. And behold, this purple wall, this veil that was in the temple separating the holies from the people was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth shook and the rocks were split and Jesus has made heaven accessible to us his presence is acceptable to us church will you stand with me Jesus we love you God we thank you for who you are we praise you today Lord our cry our cry is the Lord's prayer that the heaven would be open the heaven would be opened in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To find out more about service times, giving, and community groups that meet throughout the week, please visit us online at luminouschurch.org.